Lord and had a really good trip with those who went and uh, wish more could have gone and experienced what we experienced uh, last week. But I'm grateful for those who were able to go. Uh, If you're visiting with us, we're delighted to have you. There is a tear-off in our bulletin. If you would fill that out and place it in the offering plate so that we would know better how to serve you and uh, you can introduce yourself to us in that way. Also, if you have prayer concerns, remember on Monday mornings at prayer at um, staff meeting, we pray for uh, those that uh, put in the uh, prayer request each week. And so we appreciate that. It's a blessing to us to be able to do that. And I hope that you uh, can feel our prayers at that time uh, as well. Um, the announcements for the week are listed in the bulletin. You will see that following the Uh, morning service there will be a meeting of uh, the children's workers for Wednesday night it's a training meeting for Awanas and the other activities that they will be doing uh, beginning later oh not too much not too far away yeah 13th of uh, September so they are getting their training in and then on Wednesday Bible study and prayer at 11 and on Thursday we will have our fellowship breakfast at Cold Harbor Uh, the time is 7 a.m. And I uh, hope you can come and join us for that breakfast. Uh, you don't have, if you've never been, it doesn't matter. You can still come. You know, come and be a part of that time. Uh, we have a, a brief devotion and prayer and just fellowship around the table uh, while we eat uh, breakfast. Also, the 23rd through the 30th of September will be Caritas. We will be hosting Caritas here at the church. We'll be hosting 40 women. This will be the last time that we will be hosting Caritas not by our choice, but by their choice. They are going to have a central location uh, that they will uh, take the uh, clients to each week, and they will uh, ask for help from the churches to come to that central location. So uh, if you need more information, there is information in the newsletter related to Caritas. Uh, Rose Burroughs and Carla Broughton will also be heading that up, and I hope that you will uh, be willing to take part in that. Uh, You know, we were on a mission trip uh, this past week, um, six hours away, never left the state. Uh, We weren't sleeping in our own beds or eating in our own kitchens or uh, whatever, but you can be a missionary and a minister right here in Mechanicsville, and they bring the people to us. And so I hope that you will find a way to sign up for something and be a part of that time together. Uh, It takes a great deal of effort to do this in the church And um, Caritas has moved away from that model uh, as they have studied it and decided that uh, they feel that it's a better way to have a central location for the clients rather than travel from church to church each week. But you will be hearing more about that. It's about a month away, right, because we're uh, uh, in the uh, third Sunday in August, so I hope that you will be a part uh, of our time of Caritas. Um, Please pray for uh, Robert Moss. Robert Moss had... uh, medical emergency in our first service and they transported him to uh, Memorial Regional Hospital. I went over there a little while ago because Norman Bowles is also in the hospital. Norman is 100% better from when he went in yesterday but he's still having some medical issues but I was glad that I had come. I had prayer with him then went down and they're still with Mr. Moss in the emergency room and um, Uh, That's the only update I have for those of you who are aware of that in the first service that that had gone on. But please pray for him as we um, remember his situation uh, in our prayers. But thank you. 
I believe that's all the announcements. Like I said, Dwight and I are switching places today. I appreciate it. He had a good sermon in the first service, even with the distractions that occurred. He he kept uh, persevering, but we did stop in the midst of his sermon and uh, have prayer for Mr. Moss, and hopefully things will be okay with him. So now let us worship God. Good morning. Oh, my. Y'all are still snoozing. Good morning. I'm going to be joined on the platform by Tommy Crump and Janine Foster. I'd like to read a scripture for you coming from Psalm 86, verse 12. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. If you would turn in your hymnals to page 18, we would like you to join us in our call to worship as we begin our service, worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Glorify thy name. and adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. Come on and sing. Praise God. Glorify thy name. Glorify thy name. Glorify thy name in all the earth. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we Shall we pray? Eternal God, into your presence we come this morning glorifying your name and asking that you receive our praise and our adoration. We give thanks for the gift of life that comes to us through Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that as we give of ourselves to you in this way, that we might hear a word from you. Bless us as we have gathered. 
Help us, Father, to look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, to find faith anew as we gather to worship. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hymn number 657, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, which means we must stand, right? 657. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he may be seated and keep your hymnal in hand and turn to page 862 and we will read responsively number 30 to live is Christ number 30 in the back of your hymnal on page 862 But thanks be to God who always puts us on display in Christ and spreads through us in every place the secret of knowing him. For to God we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. 
My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, working side by side for the faith of the gospel. Hymn number 535, I am thine, O Lord. Will you stand as we sing together? Shall we pray? Eternal God, into your presence we come again with thanksgiving and joy in our hearts. Recognizing, Father, that we are indeed blessed because you have chosen to bless us. 
We are grateful, Father, that as we give, we know that we give in such a way that others might know the power of your love. Help us, Father, as we give to recognize that you have given to us first. And we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do come to you this day as grateful people for the privilege it is to sing praises, to open your word, and to allow you to be Lord of our lives. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the love of Jesus, and we pray for the needs of one another in this place. God, we lift up each person here. We lift up uh, their lives to you. We lift up what situations they're going through, and we lay them at your feet. God, we pray for those on our prayer list, those who are sick, those who are having surgeries, and those who are having struggles. God, we cast those as well before you, and we trust you, God. We trust you, God, because you love us and because you can do all things. God, as we come before you, uh, we do pray that your will be done above all else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. to fit you in the walls inside my mind I tried to keep you safely in between the lines I tried to put you in the box that I've designed I tried to pull you down so we are eye to eye When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? I tried to take life back right out of the hands of the king of the world. How could I make you so small when you're the one who holds it all? When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? Just a whisper of your voice can tame the seas. So who am I to try to take the lead? Still I run ahead and think I'm strong enough. When you're the one who made me from the dust. When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? I tried to take life back right out of the hands of the king of the world. How could I make you so small when you're the one who holds it all? When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? Ooh, you set it all in motion. Ooh, 
single moment you brought it all to me and you're holding on to me when did I forget that you've always been the king of the world I tried to take life back right out of the hands of the king of the world how could I make you so small when you're the one who holds it all when did I forget that you've always been the king of the world you will always be the king of the Thank you. Listen to that song at the early service, too. And uh, the words that stuck out was every single moment, every single moment, Jesus is king of the world. That's what we're going to try to look in in this scripture today. And I'm going to confess, just like I did at the earlier group, it's an impossible task. We have an impossible message before you today. It is impossible for every single moment for us to keep our minds in victory. However, we have God who makes all things possible. So I pray today as we talk about our battle for our mind that we look at every single moment, everything we are, everything that we will be, we bring it before Jesus and he gives us the victory that we need. Let us pray. Father God, we lift up our passage in 2 Corinthians. God, we pray uh, for your truth to stand out. We pray that uh, I would step aside and have your word declare uh, the victory that we can have in our minds. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ronald Reagan, during a televised presidential campaign in 1984, as he was being reelected, Henry Truitt of the Baltimore Sun posed a question to him in this debate with Walter Mondale. He said, you are already the oldest president in history, Some of your staff say you were tired after your most recent encounter, Mr. Mondale. I recall that President Kennedy had to go for days on end with very little sleep during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Is there any doubt in your mind that you would be able to function in such circumstances? Finally, someone had asked him the question. It was on everybody's mind and being discussed all over the media, but nobody had asked it directly of Reagan himself. At age 73... Was he indeed too old or becoming too unfocused to effectively lead the nation for a second term? For a split second, it seemed the whole country held its breath, waiting to see how he would answer. His response, not at all. Reagan began, and I want you to know that I also will not make age an issue of this campaign. I'm not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. We look at our minds. And uh, he gave, a, he gave a, an answer that his mind was sharp and that he was ready to give the answer that would be most impactful. And we as Christ followers are being assaulted with different thoughts, different impulses, different um, oppositions to the word of God moment by moment by moment. 
And our challenge as Christ followers is to take every one of those moments and bring them to the glory of God. I'm going to do something that's awkward, and that's okay. I'm going to, I actually thought about just a list of things, but I'm going to pause for 30 seconds, and I'm going to let you, each one of you, have your mind go wherever you want it to go for 30 seconds. It's going to be silent. You can think about whatever you want to think about. You can think about the scripture. You can think about your friends. You can think about lunch. You can think about whatever you want, whatever's been going on, whatever's happening for 30 seconds. And then I will continue. Ready? Think away. All right, we'll stop right there. Felt like an eternity, didn't it? In church, they say that uh, the average congregation spends about one to two minutes in prayer during a normal hour service. And, uh, and so, so we get to the point where, well, what about praying without ceasing? How do, how do you get to pray without ceasing if you're just doing the, the physical prayer for that moment or two? Your thoughts probably went to, why is he making me do this, to... I don't have to think what he's wanting me to think to every other place in the world. Here's my contention. I feel for every thought we have, and this is not scientific, I'm making this up, but I feel for every thought we have, there's one million thoughts that are opposed to the word of God. In our culture, we have been bombarded with opposition to the word of God, and our thought process is so minimum in comparison to the, to the amount of attacks that we get. And so what we have to do is learn to be victorious in this battle and start to take these millions of thoughts that oppose God, bring them to the obedience of Christ, and live them out moment by moment by moment. Second Corinthians chapter 10, if you would join me as our passage today. This is a challenging passage. This is one that will certainly make us think, and I pray will change us, that God's word would change us when we go. Verse 1. In chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. Now I, Paul, myself urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. I ask that when I'm present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Verse 5, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. In verse 1 and 2, Paul gives us a powerful and honest testimony of, of where people are, where you are, where I am at. My, my title in my, in my Bible of this chapter is not taking every thought captive or the obedience to Christ. It is simply titled, Paul Describes Himself. I pray that after we look at these six verses that you will be able to walk out over here and say, Dwight describes himself. I describe myself in this way. And that's impossible because 
Millions of thoughts are going on, and so few are taken to the obedience of Christ. But I pray that we trust God's word and says, in the life of a believer, we have Christ indwelling in us. We have the Holy Spirit that can make the impossible possible. So he says, in describing himself, some see me as meek and gentle, and some see me as bold and confident. And he says, I ask when I'm present in verse 2, I don't propose to be bold and confident with which I propose to be as courageous to some who regard as if we walk according to the flesh. This is, a, this is a key transition to get to our mind. We have to acknowledge the fact that our lives are not about the flesh, period. We are not here to build a name for ourselves. We are not here to make great the name of Dwight. When your life is over, people will say wonderful things about you. Our prayer as Christians is that they say wonderful things about Christ in us. And so Paul is saying uh, here, we do not walk according to the flesh, as if we walked according to the flesh. It's a profound declaration that when people see us, they only see the outer shell of who we are in Christ. They don't see the spirit. They don't see the heart, and they certainly don't see our mind. And everything he says stems from the mind. God works in the mind, and then it transitions into our flesh. For instance, let's go to the Old Testament. The Old Testament says adultery is a sin. The act of adultery is a sin. However, Jesus comes into the New Testament, and what does he say? The very, the very look at, 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 a, at a woman in temptation, that lust that forms in your mind, that itself is, is adultery. He takes it from the act to, to the mind. And there's a key transition here, which is our eyes. And the eyes are the only uh, part of our body that are completely directly linked to our brain through the optic nerve. Therefore, what this means is, has anybody watched the show Brain Games? Anybody seen that show? You can raise your hand if you've seen Brain Games. Brain Games had an episode on this where you see what your brain tells you to see. And so with the youth, I did optical illusions the other night. And it's like, why do the stairs just keep going? Or why am I seeing like things are moving? Our brain can play tricks on our eyes because our brain tells our eyes what to see. Our eyes see things. Our brain tells us what those things are. Like right now, my brain is saying, I see you all right here. However, what we do as, as Christ followers is we do just the same things. We think it's all about our eyes, right? As Christ followers, we have all these impulses from the world. We take them in, and then we tell God, here's what life is about. And it's exactly opposite of where Christ is going. He's saying, we take these impulses, and we give them to him. He becomes our brain, and he tells us how to see. He tells us how to live. He tells us how to walk. It's not the other way around. So if we're in a culture where everything is, like it talks about shortly, is everything against the knowledge of God, we cannot lie to ourselves and say, well, then God's fine with that. We have to take those to him. And he says, well, how do I live? How do I think? How do I see? How do I behave in a culture that's opposed to the word of God? It starts with the flesh. We have to stop lying to ourselves. We live in a culture where, where we think we're okay, that we think everything's fine, that nothing is wrong. I compared this to... Um, a battle scene you see in movies. Oftentimes when, when you see a soldier in a, in a movie who is fatally wounded and in his last breaths, you'll see another person coming over and he'll say, 
You're going to be fine. We're going to get you home. You're going to be fine. We're going to get you home. And the truth is, he's going to die. But we say that because we think it's easier to tell that lie than to say the truth, you're not going to make it. Because we do that ourselves. We don't think we have a need to change our thought life. We don't think we have a need to embrace the word of God more fully. We don't think we have a need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We think we're okay. And that's where it has to, has to start. It has to stop by confusing ourselves, being deceived, not being able to recognize lies that this culture perpetrates towards us, not being able to recognize lies that we bring to our own mind and that might be opposed to the word of God. And so it seems difficult, but that's the battle. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'll put it this way may not understand this, but I'll try to make it clear. When my kids were little, there was a, a, a toy. It was called Goose, G-O-O-Z-E. Goose was this slimy substance that just you'd spin it around, play with it, and stretch it, and that kind of thing. Well, when you buy Goose at the toy store, it would come in a, a mold. Let's say SpongeBob, the SpongeBob Goose. You would take it home. You would take the Goose out of the shell, and it would be the shape of SpongeBob or whatever, rocket ship, or whatever the shell might have been. Then you give it to your kids. They start pulling on it. They start spinning it around. It stretches out. It lands different places. You wad it back up. You put it back into the shell. You put it on your nightstand. The next morning, kids wake up. They open it, and guess what? It's SpongeBob again. Amazing. It conforms to the shell. We as Christ followers cannot do that. The world is telling your mind, look like this, act like this, be like this, live like this. And what we do is we say, okay, 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 okay. And we start looking just like everybody else in the world. And we wake up the next day and we're like, why am I not changed? It's because we look like the world. People are recognizing us by our flesh rather than by our spirit, by by our soul, by our mind. And so what what the, the, the battle is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that when people see you, they see Christ in you. They don't see your flesh. So how do we do this? Verse 3 says, though we walk in the flesh, you you can't get around this fact. We are people. We have flesh. We walk around. People are going to judge you by what you look like, by how you act, by what you do at work, by how well you perform. People are going to judge you by that. Therefore, what we have to do is we have to take and make it very clear that that's not who I am. Paul made this very clear in other places. Uh, He says, we walk in the flesh. We don't war according to the flesh. Ephesians 6.12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual forces. 1 Corinthians 2.16, who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. Our lives are war. We have to admit this. We have to admit life is war. We, we sometimes don't want to believe it's true, but it is. All the time, every moment of every day, the enemy, Satan, is trying to attack us. He does this through people. He does this through culture. He does this through impulses that are opposing the word of God. And what he's saying is, we don't war according to the flesh or you are going to lose. If I war that war to the flesh, I'm going to lose because I'm going to see what the world offers and I'm going to be like, that tastes good, that looks good, that feels good. I'm going to do it. We become a mold like the pattern of the world. Instead, we take and we, we win this battle in another place. We win it in our, in our thought life, in our mind. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, 
but divinely powerful, here's the purpose, for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, we're taking them captive to the obedience of Christ. We are bombarded by this godless culture and instead of conforming to the culture, like we often do, God is telling us we have a weapon that can defeat that conformity, that can defeat that that battle, that can defeat the fact that you are getting millions of impulses that oppose the word of God to so very few that are for the word of God or for the, the knowledge of God, and we can still win this battle. Seems impossible, but here's how. It's by taking every thought, by taking every speculation, even every lofty thing, even great ideas that the world has, we take everything and we bring it against the knowledge of God and we take it captive. We take every single thought captive to the obedience of Christ. First of all, a little side note, if you are not a follower of Christ, you cannot do this. Impossible. Us, seemingly impossible, however possible, because we have Christ in us. The only way we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ is to be people who live in the obedience of Christ. If we're living a flesh world, if we're living a world where we've built up our life to be about ourselves, we've built up our life to be just like the success of the world, we are going to fail. So what happens is Paul says there are strongholds that have been built up. There are fortresses. This is another way to put it. And sometimes we think, what's a, what's a great illustration for that? Paul gives us that illustration. It's fortresses. We have built up in our culture fortresses that stand against the word of God and the knowledge of God. We in our own lives have built up defense mechanisms and fortresses against the knowledge of God. And the truth is we as churches build up things that don't allow us to have the victory in Christ because we don't take them thought of what is Christ doing in this. So in every area of life, there's fortresses built up. However, there's weaknesses in every fortress that's not Christ. We've been studying Daniel with the youth. Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar, was building a kingdom for the Babylonians. God was telling him that kingdom is going to fall. That kingdom is not going to last. There's going to be an eternal kingdom that's going to come. That's what's going to stand. It didn't make sense to Nebuchadnezzar. It makes sense to us because we have a kingdom that is going to last. Now, to do that, you take these thoughts, you take them captive, you bring them to the word of God, you have the Holy Spirit in you, you say, is this of the world, is this of the flesh, or is this of the spirit, is this of the truth? You bring it to Christ, and he tells you, destroy it or embrace it. Every single thought. He's saying, the big lofty things in our culture, bring them to the authority of Christ's word, take them captive, and say, is that of Christ? If it's not, we have to destroy that. As a church, there are strongholds in our culture that we are probably sickened of and too. We see what's going on in our world and we're like, what can we do? There's nothing we can do. It's their stronghold. It's their problem. It's their, their thought life. We, as the followers of Christ, are in victory of this. We take strongholds, we bring them up, and we as the body of Christ together take everything captive and the glory of Christ is, is sent forward. The, the book, The Hobbit, which was one of my favorite books. My parents are here today. One of my favorite books. They remember this. I was reading The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien when I was in like third grade. The Hobbit is a story of a journey, and at the end of this journey is the symbol of evil in the book, which is the dragon Smog, if you remember this book. 
and the dragon smog was impossible to defeat. However, they've learned that the dragon had one scale missing right around where his heart would be. And the archer said, if you can take an arrow and you can fire it into that one vulnerable place, you can defeat this dragon. And that's what happened. They shot the dragon in the only place in which it was weak. Fortresses are taken down by the knowledge of Christ being put forth into our culture to take down strongholds that are against him. Smog was defeated because of that weak spot. Here's the scary part of that, the other side of that. Satan knows our weak spots. He knows what we're vulnerable to. He knows what we're tempted to. He knows where we will become weak. I have a weakness for cinnamon bears. My mom might know this as well. Cinnamon bears, back in the day, were my favorite candy. As a kid, my mom worked at a candy store for a while that sold the best cinnamon bears. He's over there, like, pointing me out. And I hadn't had cinnamon bears for 15 years. And I'm walking down the aisle of some grocery store, and I look to my right, and I see bags of cinnamon bears. The first thing I did was grab every bag off the shelf, put it in my cart, and I was going to the checkout line. And in my, I stopped and I was like, why did I do this? I didn't even think about cinnamon bears forever. But as soon as that weakness was put before me, I was like, I have to have it all and I have to have it now. Nothing else matters. I'm going to have these cinnamon bears. And I stopped and, and I took some of the bags of cinnamon bears. I put them back and I kept a couple and still bought a couple. But the illustration stands, we are weak in certain areas. We have to be aware of the places in our life where Satan attacks and has that victory. And we have to take those places. We have to bring them to the word of God. We say, God, protect me. Destroy that speculation so that I can live in victory for you in that thought, in that moment today. Because he knows our weaknesses and he's going to attack them. We, on the other hand, have the weapons that are going to win. We have Christ. We have Christ in us who is victorious. And we are destroying speculations. We are destroying everything against the knowledge of God. We are taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. It is not we should, or wouldn't it be great if you did it? Paul's describing himself. I'm taking every thought captive to Christ, and those thoughts that are not of Christ, I'm destroying them. Those thoughts that are of Christ, I'm taking them, and I'm soaking them into my life, and I'm holding on to them for the very most passionate way possible. We have to remind ourselves who we are, though. When I was in seminary, I printed out a list of all the things Scripture told, tells me who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ. I am fully loved. I have all these different I am's of the Bible. And I'd wake up and I'd say, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. God's Word says I'm this. God says I love God's Word. tells me that I have a purpose that I'm useful to his kingdom. I'd read all these things. I'd go through my day. Those would be the things I would dwell on. A lot of times I think we just wake up and we just say, what does the world tell us we are? And we live like that, and people don't see Christ. Wake up, remind yourself who you are in Christ, and then live like that. Philippians chapter 4. I'll read this passage for you. Uh, verse 8. Finally, brethren... This is Paul as well. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Focus your mind 
on these things. Our problem is we don't focus on Christ's ways. We don't focus on Christ's word. We don't focus on the power of Christ in us enough so that our minds don't become transformed. If I told you that right here on the stage was a giant pink elephant, beautiful pink-colored elephant, and I told you, don't think about this pink elephant, the pink shade like you're wearing right over here, beautiful pink trunk. Don't think about this, by the way. If I told you there was a pink elephant, but don't think about this, it had this big, big pink ears and this big pink tail. Its body was pink, just, just right here. How many of you are thinking about a pink elephant right now? Everybody's like, that's in my mind. I've got it. Your mind dwells on what it wants to dwell on. In, in our life, we go through our day. At the end of the day, we're like, this is impossible, Dwight, because I've sinned, and I've sinned, and I've sinned, and I've fallen short, and I've fallen short. And when you come to prayer time, you're like, I have done so many things. It's just, God, I'm a terrible person. Forgive me for my terrible ways. I've blown it again today. And you start thinking like the pink elephant. That's all you're thinking on. Jesus says, Paul's saying, Focus on who you are in Christ. Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is love, lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is good repute, whatever is excellent, think on these things. The only thing that's excellent is the things of Christ. Our minds have to focus on the things of Christ. Otherwise, we're going to be focusing on the pink elephant. And then at the end of the day, it's not going to be like, what are all these bad things that I've done? It's going to be like, as soon as that bad thing came into my mind, I knew it was wrong, and I destroyed it. And so at the end of the day, you're not like, wow, how am I going to list all the things that I've done? You do it moment by moment, every single moment. It sounds impossible, but Scripture tells us otherwise. Scripture tells us pray without ceasing. Sounds impossible. Only possible because Christ is in us every moment wanting to work through his Spirit in our lives. The only way it's possible is because Christ is in us. And Scripture is our source. Get into Scripture. Focus on who God says to you. For every million thoughts that are opposing the Word of God, we take one thought to the obedience of Christ, and it obliterates all of them. And then you take that next thought, and you take that next thought. You don't start with a million thoughts. You start with each thought. Every single moment. Verse 5 says, we are doing this. We're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, And we, church, are ready to punish disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. I won't do this. I I did this for the youth. There's an old song. It's a little kid song. It talks about taking Jesus out of his little white box. And if I had Jesus, I'd take him out and I'd share him with a friend. And then it's like, if I had Satan in a little white box, I'd take him out and I'd smash his face. That's That's how the little song goes. I'd smash his face. We don't talk about that enough. Everything of Christ we take out and embrace and share and lift up as great. Everything that's of the enemy we take out and we destroy it. That's what the scripture says. It says we're ready to punish disobedience. When disobedience comes into our life, we take it out and we say, Satan, you do not have the victory. I'm taking that thought and I'm punishing it. It happens when our obedience is complete. Our battles are divinely purposeful. They're for a purpose, to defeat strongholds and to have victory over the enemy and to be a light in a culture that is desperately apart from him. Desperately apart from him.
How do we do this? It seems Paul has given us the best answers, but I'm going to give you a couple ideas. First of all, don't believe everything you think. Start by that. Everything that comes into your mind, be a little bit of a skeptic. Not a skeptic in a bad way. Be a skeptic like, is that of God's word or not? Everything that comes in, you bring it to God's word, and you're like, ah, that's not, and you destroy it. Everything that comes in your mind, don't just believe it. Just don't be gullible people that says the world has really great things, and I'm just going to eat it up. We don't believe everything we think. What we think isn't naturally true. What we see, there's optical illusions. Our brain can, can fool us sometimes. Christ never fools us. When the truth is brought before him, he will tell us if it's true or not. I had somebody ask me, you know, there's a lot of gray area in the Bible. How do you know if you're sinning or you're not sinning? I told me, I have never, never since the Spirit has been, been confused whether I'm sinning. I know. I know I'm doing something opposing the word of God. I know it's wrong. I'm not like, man, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. It's because God's word lives in us. His Holy Spirit lives in us. He tells us what's right and what's wrong. It's not based upon our own opinion. Second thing, even the Bible says our minds are deceitful. Our minds deceive ourselves. Second thing, guard your mind from garbage. Guard your mind from garbage. You will end up looking like what you see, what you think, and what you believe. I think the quote is, you will end up looking like what you believe. If you believe in Christ, if you focus your mind on the things above, if you seek his kingdom and his ways first, you will look like a person of Christ. However, if you don't, you're going to be looking like the world looks. Gretchen took up this 30-day challenge they have on the Christian radio station to listen to nothing but Christian music for 30 days. I wasn't sure that was a great idea because I like a little variety in my music sometimes. But what happens after 30 days? Your mind is filled with things above. Your mind is filled with words that don't contradict the word of God. Your heart, your life starts to reflect on that. When you're walking around, you start humming songs that are of the word rather than of the world. And I'm not saying to give up the world, but I am saying if you take anything from the world, you better take it captive to Christ first and then destroy it or embrace it. Destroy it or embrace it. The way that we will live in victory is if we guard our minds from garbage, that we recognize garbage when it comes into us and we get rid of it when, before it takes over us. Again, dwell on the excellent. Number two, or three, I don't know if this is two or three, don't ever stop growing in the Lord. Don't ever give up being a disciple, being a learner, being someone who is available for God's word to transform your life. And here, here's how it works. Uh, I've had the privilege of doing the 11 o'clock prayer meeting with uh, the, the group here, and I am so encouraged by people who might be older than me, I'll put it kindly, who might be older than me, who are here interested in what the Word of God says so that they can learn and grow in their faith. That encourages me because we never should stop growing. If you, if you hear this passage, you're like, oh, I've heard this one, Dwight, taking every thought captive to the knowledge of God, I got it. Then you are not making yourself available to the Spirit to transform your life. Every time God's Word is open, be prepared to be changed, even if you've heard it a million times. This 
I would rather hear a million times than a million thoughts that oppose this. Take God's word and don't take it for granted. There are countries and there's people who have no access to the word of God. We have access to the word of God. His spirit is then put in our heart. We should be people who walk around saying, here's what the word of God says to me. Here's how I'm living it out. Here's how I can reflect it to you who may not know it as well. Never stop growing. Read, spend time soaking up God's word and be involved in small groups. Pray, whatever it takes to continue to grow. The last thing is... Attempt great things for God. I think sometimes we don't reflect the victory because we keep the victory to ourselves. I'm good. I've, I've won this victory. I'm taking my thoughts captive. It's only a victory if you're, if you're using it to use your obedience being complete to destroy and punish the disobedience. Our lives in Christ should be about attempting great things for his kingdom. They shouldn't be about settling, the world is one, whatever. We as a church, as his church, should be doing every single thing that we can to fulfill the Great Commission. Go wherever he wants us to go. Do whatever he wants us to do. Be who he wants us to be, no matter the cost then the world will see Christ in us and they'll see that our minds have been changed because our lives have been transformed and we are about the purpose of proclaiming the gospel in all the earth. Proclaim his his kingdom in all the earth to every tongue, every tribe, every nation, and then the end will come. Our mission as a church should always be about doing great things. Great things in his kingdom here, great things in his kingdom in our state, great things in our country, great things across the world so that the name of Jesus should be known in all the earth. William Carey said, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. I think too often we just limit ourselves. and We say, you know what, God's not going to do anything great in me, so I'll just be satisfied for adequate. It starts with that thought. It starts with that idea And when you start to get into the word of God and those thoughts come into you, you're going to be amazed because those thoughts are going to say, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can do all things. You're not going to be stuck in an apathetic, lazy, half-hearted Christian life because that's not who Jesus is. He calls his followers to be fully committed, to be bold, to be courageous, to be daring, to proclaim his love no matter the cost, no matter the obstacle. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, take these thoughts, do great things with them. Don't keep them to yourself. And anything that opposes them, when you put those away, live out that truth and let him have the victory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we trust your word has uh, challenged us today. We trust that Your truth has spoken to our minds and to our hearts. And we thank you for a place where we can come in the midst of a culture that opposes you and comes up with lofty speculations against you and brings things that are 
uh, oppositional to the knowledge of God. We thank you, thank you that we, we have a place in which we can be affirmed in our faith in you, Jesus. We thank you for Mechanicsville Baptist Church. We thank you for the people of God here. We thank you for the fact that you have made us into a new creation and that you want to transform our lives by the renewing of our minds so that you can do great things in our lives, in our church, in our city, in our culture, and in our world. God, I pray that we as your church become who you tell us we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, our, in, our hymn of invitation is number 534. As we have this time, I would challenge you, wherever you're at, to respond. Here, here's, what, here's what the gospel is. I don't know if I have a hymnal up here. Can you hand me a hymnal? The gospel is when the Spirit speaks to us, the soul is the part of us that responds to the Spirit of God, the truth of God. Our souls respond. So whatever God has done today through his word speaking to you, respond to him back. Praise him. Confess where maybe you haven't been taking your thoughts captive. Embrace the fact that he wants to change you because of what he has done, he has done in this service today. So as we uh, do hymn number 534, take my life and let it be consecrated, use this as an opportunity to say, I am going to be who Christ has told me to be. Let's stand and sing this together. Hymn number 534. One of the things that we did this past week, and this is the reason I stepped up here, uh, on Thursday, a group of us went to Twin Springs High School. 
and uh, we're invited in by the uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, leader, who was also the youth minister at Nicholsville Baptist Church. And uh, we were able to enter the gymnasium there and visit with the uh, teenagers who made a point to come and be there. They were not uh, made to come, but uh, there were a group of teenagers who came, and we shared prayer concerns, and I shared Proverbs chapter 3 with them, and the girl standing next to me said that that was her favorite verse, her life verse. And uh, that came to my mind as um, you were preaching, you know our minds, uh, and the reason it did was because to, that was the third day of school for them. They started on Tuesday. And uh, for them to give of their time to come and for us to be there with them to share scripture and to pray with them certainly gives all of us an opportunity to put the right thing in our mind uh, and for those teenagers to put the right thing in their mind as they deal with the day-to-day activities. Highland Spring, Highland uh, uh, Twin Springs High School has 270 students in it, grades 8 through 12. So it's a small high school, but uh, it was indeed a blessing. But it came to my mind that uh, how important the first thing in the morning, you could tell by the third day of school they were really dragging because, uh, you know, just had started. But uh, we will certainly share more with you. But uh, uh, I think that's in the vein of what you have spoken of. And uh, Peggy Etheridge asked me uh, to request prayer for her family, particularly her father, uh, in the passing of his brother, which would be her uncle. He passed suddenly on a business trip, my understanding is, in Louisiana, uh, 62 years old. And uh, they will have the visitation in Matthews, uh, Virginia today and the funeral tomorrow. So please be in prayer for this family. It's difficult to lose anyone, but to lose them under sudden circumstances away from home, particularly when there was indeed a closeness between uh, her father and her uncle uh, and the rest of the family. So she did ask that you pray for her family, and uh, we certainly will do that uh, as we close out. I did tell you that Norman Bowles is hospitalized, but he was 100% better uh, Betty told me today than he was yesterday, and I have not gotten have not got any further word on Mr. Moss. So uh, we will pray for him as well. Let's close with a benediction. Gracious and eternal God, into your presence we come, asking you to shape our minds, helping us, Father, to conform to you in such a way, Father, that we can be transformed from this world. Thank you for the powerful words that Dwight shared with us this morning. And help us, Father, as we leave here today to know that you go with us. We pray, Father, for Peggy's family, for her father, and for the other family members in the loss of their loved one. Be with them, encourage them, bring comfort to them as only you can through the presence of your spirit. Bless us as we depart keeping us ever mindful of your grace, of your mercy, and of your love. In the name of Jesus, amen.